Welcome to Gen Z Hoops, the Gen Z basketball coaching and sports business show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hi, Coach Cuse. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. Great. Great to hear that. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you today. You're, you're the first WNBA coach I've had on. I'm hoping to have many, many more as, as I really want to learn so much more about the league itself. And I'm really excited to know about all the awesome things you've done, both in your, in your history of coaching, but also um, just recently winning a WNBA championship. Congratulations. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. Uh, lifelong coach. So I've experienced everything from high school uh, to the pros and I've experienced men and women uh, pretty equally, you know, 40, 22 years with women, 20 with men. Fantastic. And, and that leads right into how I'd like to start the show off and say, can you kind of walk us through what got you to that lifetime of coaching? Well, you know, the high school team, to be honest with you, I grew up in a little, little town of about a very small town called Lowell High. And uh, there was a high school team that went to the state tournament in, in, in Ohio. And uh, I, my parents went to the games and I got heavily influenced by that team. Uh, and, and, and not just to play basketball, but to coach basketball. Uh, for some reason, it, I knew what I wanted to do. I think I was seven at that age and I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I started on a career of paying attention to the coaching as well as playing the sport. And uh, I was a good high school player. I went to a small college and I was on the team. Wasn't, wasn't a great player, but was on the team. Uh, but got a really good education in how to be a coach. Uh, and in my last year at uh, the school I was at, Muskingum College, the coach, you know, I, I was going to be on the team, but I wasn't going to play a lot of minutes. And so he asked me if I'd like to coach the freshman team and, and do that, or, you know, he offered that as an opportunity. And I, I so I kind of started in doing that. And I, I, I began and then went and got a master's degree at Miami of Ohio. And it happened to be a, a great team that I was there with and uh, went to the Sweet 16, um, lost to Kentucky, which was the eventual champion. But it led me to uh, an opportunity to be a head coach at the age of 22 in, in boys basketball in Ohio. So I started a school, Madison Plains, uh, spent four years coaching at the high school level, moved to Division Three, and coached uh, at, at, at two different schools, Mount Union and Baldwin-Wallace, coached eight years there. Uh, then got a chance to go as a what they called a restricted earnings assistant to the University of Toledo, which was division one and spent five years there uh, moving up to be the, the, the uh, assistant coach. Uh, and then uh, the gentleman I was working for, a man by the name of Larry Gibson, uh, took a job in administration. And so we had a, a changeover in coaching and uh, one of the assistants on the women's side came over and asked and told me she was leaving and would I consider 
maybe staying another year and, and working on the women's side as an assistant coach. And um, we were having our son. And uh, so it just, it just worked out. So I spent a year as an assistant coach on the women's side, which led me to apply for the WNBA. I went to Charlotte and in the WNBA after about a year and a half, um, there was a coaching change and I, they named me as the interim coach at Charlotte. And Don Staley was my point guard. Uh, I, I've been very blessed to have an array of some of the greatest point guards you could imagine. Uh, but Don Staley was my point guard, which is really an interesting circle of things because I now work with Don on the Olympic team, uh, USA Basketball as an assistant coach. She was my point guard. We had we, we turned the season around and went to the conference finals. It, it gave me an opportunity to interview for other jobs. Uh, I, I, I went to Cleveland. I had a great experience in four years at Cleveland. Uh, after that, Cleveland sold the franchise uh, about the time LeBron was starting to Dan Gilbert, who uh, did not buy the, the WNBA side of it. So that led me to move to San Antonio and I spent 12 years in San Antonio as the head coach there. Um, thought my career was probably winding down and over and retired it there. But after a year, uh, Seattle offered me an opportunity to, to be their coach. And, and uh, I saw a potential for a great team or what I thought really had the makings of a great team. And it's turned out to be that way. Uh, and now I'm in my third year of, uh, of being at Seattle. And that's, that's kind of the story. It's a fantastic story. And it's filled with so many unique experiences that are very excited to me to, to kind of pick your brain. And in that time, you were going from head coach to assistant back to head coach at the, at the early stages. What were some of the lessons that you picked up in terms of how to be a good assistant and how that helped you be a head coach? Well, I think it really helped me be at the high school level. I have the greatest of respect for high school coaches. I, I really understand what they got to do because I was one. You, you look at the world of coaching like, you don't just, and, and, and especially in the pros, sometimes in the pros, you think, well, we'll just go get somebody else. But if you grow up being a high school coach, you think about, well, how can we make them better? You know, how do we put them in the right spots? And so it, it started that kind of thinking in me. And being a head coach initially allowed me to understand uh, kind of what it feels like to be over at one more seat. And uh, it, it, it meant a lot to me because I think I was a good assistant because I had a better understanding of what it's like to be a head coach and, and how to add to, you know, to give energy to, to the head coach or, or to the staff in a way, because I, I had been there and I, I, I had understood what it felt to, and I learned that. I, I learned that a lot. I think it, those two things, being, being a high school coach and learning how to, make things work as opposed to replace. And then secondly, understanding a little bit of what it feels like to be a head coach and trying to add to that as an assistant, I think both really helped. Of course, and obviously you had so many great coaches around you to really take from and learn from. What was it kind of like when you were with then the San Antonio Silver Stars and having Greg Popovich right there with the NBA team? What was that like? 
it was like a renaissance. You know, I was 50 years old when I went there. And a lot of times people in the profession, you know, they're pretty defined by the time they're 50. You know, they know what they are, what they do. And, and it was like a renaissance for me. I, I mean, I learned so much. I give Greg Popovich probably as much or more credit than any coach that I worked with just because I studied his program. I was there all that time and uh, had the ability to go to practice, had the ability to go to, you know, before games and his assistant coaches were an incredibly powerful um, vehicle for me to learn things. Um, I knew Coach Popovich, talked with him, but mostly I got things from just watching. I got things from talking to his assistants, but it was a huge influence. Anybody that knows me knows that that was a huge part of the culture that I now create, you know, so much uh, with what I try to do and uh, unbelievably powerful to be that age and to feel like you're getting better as a coach. In terms of what that helped you make in terms of the culture, you obviously were able to, when you went to Seattle, really quickly implement the culture you wanted, and it's resulted in two championships in three seasons. What does that culture, and in terms of making it that quickly, also look like for you? Well, it starts with good players. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've never fooled myself to understand, you know, the role of a coach, you know, is greatly enhanced by good players. When, when I went to Seattle, it was a culture fit. I mean, I, I was coming into a group of people that I knew to some degree. They hadn't won at that moment, but I knew they got along with each other. I knew the culture of, of people to people was really good. And I knew they had some blossoming young stars. And that, that was huge to me. Uh, to step into that. So I don't, I don't try to fool people in regard to it, but I spent most of my life as a builder. I spent most of my life establishing and changing culture. And I think it was such a blessing to be an older coach and come into a situation where there was such immediacy to, to the fact that I had good players and, and I had opportunity that we don't always get in new jobs. You know, so, um, but I spent most of my life going to situations where the year before they were seven and 25 or, or those type of things. So it, 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 it was, was a blessing to come into a situation where you could, in your first year, win a championship. Of course, to, to be able to coach a living legend like Sue Bird and a bubbling young superstars like Brianna Stewart and, and Jewel Lloyd, who is planning on coming on the show really soon. We have her on the schedule. I'm, I'm really excited about that one. But to be able to coach there's, there's three almost living legends in the WNBA world is, is really a great thing. And, and having good players is obviously, of course, a, a big help. But this season, I thought, was super interesting for you because uh, not only was obviously for, for everyone impacted by the pandemic and having to coach in the wobble, you actually were had the really unique experience of coaching from over a thousand miles away. Um, can you kind of talk to us about that and, and how you were able to, to do that? You know, it's really interesting. It, it's turned out to be an experience that is really going to be a, a part of my coaching story. And initially, it was so hard to to accept. You know, I, I, a year ago I battled cancer. A little over a year ago I battled cancer, and 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 
missed the first few games of 219, but came back and coached the season, had, had, had a good year, even though Stewie and Sue were both out for the season with injuries. But when, when I got to, you know, being approved to go to the, to the bubble wobble, there was pushback from the, from the doctors and the WNBA. And, and from that, that it's not a great place for me to be just coming off of cancer and, and being 65 years of age and all those things. So that was really hard. That was really, really hard. But what happened, like it has happened in everybody's life, just about, I mean, all of us have, have, have been caused to, to make things work in ways that we probably never thought we were going to have to make them work. You know, I'm just an, another example of that. I see it with college coaches right now who are testing positive and all kinds of, of things, you know, we're having to delegate and use our staffs and all those kind of things. And uh, it, it was a huge lesson. And, and, and it was a uh, opportunity for my staff to step forward. Gary Kloppenberg, who'd been a long time assistant, just was phenomenal in running the defense and, and, and doing the games and subbing and in and that. Noel Quinn, who was a player in 218, stepped up offensively and, and did things. And, you know, it, 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 there's a reality that, that to watching your staff perform so admirably and that your leadership, people like Sue Burr, Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, all the people you mentioned, Alicia Clark's another great example, Natasha Howard, they just stepped up the internal leadership in ways that you could just see. And uh, that's kind of what you try to do as a coach. You try to empower people to take on leadership. You know, leadership's important in the seat you're in as a head coach, but it's, I think, even a higher calling when you develop leaders. Of course, and it must be so great to see how, how you've been able to develop those leaders. And if the pandemic gave us anything, it did give people that, that are really hard workers and, and are trying to be leaders the opportunity to showcase that, which your team obviously did. On that point of, of like, kind of ties into with the culture, is there kind of an overarching principle or maybe an emphasis that you always try to instill in your teams that obviously was displayed then by your team in the bubble? I think there was a lot of things. I think a lot of them came from the players. You know, to be honest with you, I think, you know, some of the things our culture is built on are traits that are pretty inherent in people like Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd. You know, there's a, the one thing that stands out to me and that I think is a great point is this particular team is, it has stars all around it. I mean, I have great players. I don't, hide that fact, but they don't care who gets the credit. They, 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 they are a very selfless group. They communicate quite well with each other and there is nothing selfish about them, nothing. They, and, and, and they don't care if, who gets the credit. Uh, they care about championships. They care about the totality of what they do. That is an overriding principle and, and exactly what I, I talked to them about when we got into the playoffs and, and what I saw exhibited, you know, uh, through, through their time and, you know, in the bubble. 
Um, one more thing that I really wanted to ask you about was I know you had a really strong relationship with absolute legend coach Pat Summit. Quoted before how it was a blessing to to kind of ha- to kind of have her as 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 a as a guy as a guide and as a as a partner in in coaching early on. Can you kind of touch on that and what that meant for you? Oh yeah, I, I've had several people. I, you know, I went on the women's side. Yeah, I've been on the men's side for twenty years. I, I mean, nobody knew who Dan Hughes was in. 1997 or eight, as far as women's side of basketball, uh, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden now, you know, I jump over and I'm in the WNBA. I, I was fortunate to get hired in the WNBA and people could have saw me as an outsider very easily. They could have seen me as some, an, an opportunist who's trying to bet being very blessed, you know, people like Pat Summit. Uh, people like Gina Auriemma, they were doing broadcasts of the WNBA games back in the early years. And they took a liking to me uh, that I will always be thankful for. And Pat was a great example. I, could, I know you can't quite see it, but if you see that shelf over there, there's a little letter that Pat Summit wrote me after one of my early seasons at Cleveland. You know, she took the time to write me a note after the season and, and things like that, Gino Arayama would, would come to shoot arounds and I would just hang after shoot arounds and just pick his mind. And Pat did the same thing because they were doing broadcasts. Uh, so I was around them and such a blessing. You know, Pat Summit taught me something that has defined my last 10 years of coaching. You know, she, I watched her and I, you know, as successful as, as Pat was, she, she had this quit, this thirst that, you know, she was open to change, you know, if her offense, she thought her offense might be better doing it this way. Okay. Let's change. And I noticed that about her and, and, and I started really emulating that if nothing else. And then I noticed the Spurs did the same thing. When I got to San Antonio, the Spurs were the exact same way. And I thought, man, there's something to this. And that has totally, totally defined my later years of coaching. Being open to growth is so important. And to see that firsthand by, by true professionals in their craft, and, and obviously then also see the results in terms of it leading to, to championship success and, and both and players that, that enjoy playing for the coach and being unselfish, That's, that, that means everything. Yeah. So coach, here's one, uh, one final question. Um, is there any kind of advice that you give to maybe a 20 year old version of yourself that, that doesn't know exactly what he wants to do? Maybe he's thinking about coaching, doesn't really know. What advice would you give him to lead him on his path into where you are today? Yeah, yeah, there is. You know, sometimes later is greater. You know, as a young coach, and especially someone who was pretty defined knowing that's what they wanted to do from a young age, uh, there there were a lot of periods of frustration, you know, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I want to be a head coach in college. I want to be those kind of things. And what happened to me is, you know, all of our lives, our journeys, are different, you know, we're all, and that's okay. That's absolutely okay. You know, the thing I tell people more and more is just try to enjoy and enhance what you're doing right now. 
If you want to climb the ladder, do a good job right where you are, you know, and uh, that, you know, and, and that's what I would say to myself because I got very frustrated trying, you know, trying, I was thinking that, you know, I, I need to be this and I need to be this. And there's nothing wrong with that. Most of us in the coaching profession and in the, and in the sports in general are that way. You know, we're, we're trying to climb and climb and climb and fast. But the thing I would say is I am so glad that most of my success or uh, experiences that I really cherish came later in my coaching career, not earlier. Um, I, I had some earlier ones, but a lot of them came later. And so the ability to, to kind of recognize that your journey is going to teach you the things you need to know. And maybe there's a reason for you, you need to have all the, the different uh, talents that you might need for a situation. And if, if, you know, those unanswered dreams, like Garth Brooks talks about, you know, sometimes uh, unanswered prayers actually is what, what he says. Something about those kind of makes sense as you get older. So, so Coach Hughes, thank you so much for coming on. I, I learned so much hearing from you, and I, I know my listeners did too. So, thank you. My pleasure. Best wishes to y'all. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.